Ready to build better benefits that maximize employee wellness? Join Infirmary Health and Rx Benefits June 4th ASHRA webinar as they discuss actionable advice for developing pharmacy programs with your pharmacy resources, how to build internal and external partnerships that boost employee wellness, and what pharmacy trends could impact future benefit design for all HR leaders. Register today. To learn more about Rx Benefits, visit employers.rxbenefits.com or click the link in show notes. Hello, Asher listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Asher Podcast. I'm your co-host, Luke Kerrigan. I'm here with Bo Brabo. This is a first for me, Bo. We are still in Savannah at the Astro Executive Summit, and we're at a rooftop right now watching the sunrise over Savannah. And we have, just if it couldn't get any better, we actually have Mary Jo Smith with us, who's the CHRO over at Franciscan Alliance. Uh, she's been there for about three years. She actually, fun fact, used to work with uh, our wonderful executive director of ASHRA, Jeremy Sadler. Uh, so they know each other from the past, came up together, right? So almost like two Michael Jordans together, like on the same team. Absolutely. You know, yeah. And then went their separate ways and started winning championships. I mean, there's a lot of parallels that we could really draw to this. Uh, but Mary Jo, thanks so much for joining You're us. You're very welcome. welcome. How are you enjoying Savannah so far? So far, so good. Uh, beautiful town and... Uh Looking forward to getting to explore it later. Oh, awesome. So let's get the question all the listeners want to know of this out in the beginning, and then we'll go from there. What was it like working with Jeremy? Well, I can't plead the fifth on that. You can. <laughs> okay. I mean, whatever um, it, yeah. it, it was, we were both um, quite younger um, in our tenure, um, and it was fun. We had a great team at Advocate Christ Medical Center, um, just a fun group of people um, learning HR and uh, just had a good time. So That's good. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is the check to make sure Jeremy actually listens to his own absolutely. podcast. Absolutely. Yes. Right? Because we got to put some nuggets in there. And if he never says anything to us about For those sure. things, he then we know he doesn't listen. I, I agree. Did Jeremy have hair back then? Like, I'm envisioning, like, long, flowing hair, driving a Camaro. I'm pretty confident the same situation okay. uh, still occurs that was back then. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I still have my imagination yeah. for that, you know? Well, in all seriousness, you know, we were chatting beforehand and you, you mentioned one thing that I want to dive into. We don't talk about it enough on the show. And that's just empathy in your everyday job and how and I feel like the conversation started to go like empathy with leaders, right? Empathy Absolutely. for the folks we're caring about. Uh, would you mind just telling us to just how you use empathy in development and coaching and just all of the above? Yeah, thank you. I think you know, when you think about empathy, you think about putting yourself into someone else's shoes. You also think about meeting people where they are to understand what they're going through at that moment in time. And I think as leaders, you know, we tend to immediately go to how does this impact us? How does this impact the organization? But also really focusing on how we look at our coworkers, our employees, and how do we address some of the challenges they have. Um, we're embarking on a just culture initiative now, um, which is our our culture um, and thinking about, you know, how do we look at people process technology and how do we address um, those when we think about people, how do we look at making, making processes better, uh, educating, um, moving forward, but, you know, understanding where they are in the process um, and what's impacting their life uh, in the current state. Yep. So how do you give us an example of how you'd be as, 
it's really difficult, the people process technology aspect, you know, and it can get moved away with, especially with technology. It can get empathy, can get pushed away mm-hmm. real quickly. Yeah. I think, you know, when we look at all of us being adult learners, how do we learn? Is one, right? So understanding um, you have a nurse at the bedside who is taking care of patients and that's where we want that person. Um, how do we make sure that we're giving them um, the tools and resources they need when you talk about the people in, in the process and the technology yeah. and that they're not going to be able to run away from there um, to check an email all the time. So when we think about how we get communication to folks, how we educate um, and under, just understanding, you know, the, the work that we want them to do that they're um, the best at and, and getting those tools, tools to them yep. um, adequately. I think too, when you're talking about technology and when you combine, when you think about technology and empathy at the same time, like if you're if you're evaluating vendors or new systems and so forth, um, if if that vendor doesn't have a really good story about their user interface, mm-hmm. the user experience, which is taking that look, like what's the user? What's that person gonna? How are they gonna do this job on this piece of technology? Let me put myself in their shoes while they're using the technology, and if they haven't put a lot of effort into that. You almost can see that there wasn't much empathy when they were developing the technology. It was more about capability. Yeah, what can it do? Right. Well, yeah, we need capability. What can it do for us? What can it do for us, right? But we need people to be able to use it and like it and want to be in the system, want to use the technology. So if you're not, that's the empathetic lens. It is. It is. And, and when I think about that, uh, you know, it, it's change too, right? Yeah. You're, you're asking for somebody to do something different. Um, and thinking about, again, where they are in their education of the tool or the process, where they are as it relates to their daily job. Um, uh-huh. When you think about hours worked, when you think about how they spend that time, it's really just uh, providing coworkers and employees with the tools and resources, but understanding that if it fits for me one way, it may not fit for that person in that same way. Yep. It's true. And it, I feel like healthcare can go either way with this and the, the technology is getting more embedded and some of it them is. aren't necessarily super positive. I don't think it's at a point yet where it's hurting as much, you know, but if you look at like when I was a kid and I'd go to the doctor, we would be in there talking and conversing the entire time. It'd be more of a conversation. Now, whenever I go to the doctor, it's a physician standing at a computer talking to me from the computer and putting in information. I saw, so I have one doctor that solved this by getting the scribe, actually, and the scribe follows them around everywhere. And the scribe is at the computer doing their thing. Yeah. And he said, and, and it made a big difference, actually. Uh, but I feel like we're almost at a breaking point where it could tip either way, you know? Well, and it's a balance because I think one of the reasons why we implement technology is to create efficiencies and increase quality, right? So becoming a high reliable organization and what that looks like. So I think it's a nice, it's a, it's a, it's a balance of how you have that patient in front of you, address that patient, and you're not doing what you need to do. But also the systems that we put in place are to create, you know, continuity of care. You know, when one doc is in one organization and another is in another, they can see the notes that belong to that person. So when you think about, you know, 
high quality, high yes. reliability. So there, there are many benefits to that. But Huge when we benefits. think about implementing a technology into an organization or just when you get a new phone, right? I, I get annoyed when I have to update my phone when I'm like, well, it's the same phone I had before, but now what's different? Yeah. It's change. Yep. And so when you think about, okay, I just got to move forward and it's change. Um, it, it, it's really thinking about that, that person in that space. And, you know, when you think about, 18,000 employees, how do you get to everybody in the right way and at the right time? And so always thinking, again, putting myself in their shoes, thinking about um, how we have done things, you know, just so quickly in the last three years, do we take a step back and understand how could we have done, how could we have done that better in, in uh, kind of reinventing our communication and our education? Oh, that's amazing. And I will say, I've, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with Franciscan directly over the past year and a half. I work, uh, very consistently with Ellen Page on your team, yep. who's wonderful. They implemented Phenom, uh, partnered with us about a little over a year ago, I think. And if we have like a poster child for like home run partnerships, yes, it is Franciscan. And your team has embraced it. They're really putting the automation at the right point in the system. So Ellen is amplifying the human touch based on automation and her numbers are through the roof. So we were talking, I do actually have some memorized. So in your first six months with a chatbot alone, this is just a chatbot, Franciscan got 70,000 interactions with it, 3,000 applications, and hired 500 people. Wow. Just through the bot. And that's bananas. And if you know Ellen, Ellen's been on the show, you know that just her style is she's going to use that bot and that automation to, it's not, the point isn't the bot. The point is having conversations quicker Right. And getting that person, you know, to the bedside in a quicker fashion. So I, 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 I think it's helped a lot. Have you seen a, a big lift? We have. And I, you know, to the comment about the team, we have a phenomenal team. Yes. I, I really um, have been truly blessed with coming into this organization in the midst of COVID, a go live of a, a, a workday system, a go live of many other things. Um, no one uh, had a face-to-face learning because we couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, when we think about all the tools and technology, um, specifically um, just the embracing of that, especially within the HR team, I couldn't be more proud. And um, as it relates to Phenom, you know, we have seen it. Um, we've, we, you know, and the team has embraced it. And I think that's Good. key. Um, but I also think we're meeting people where they are as it relates to this technology and how do we em- enhance and move forward within our own practice practices um and educating so that we can capitalize even further on on the benefits so thank you oh my gosh of course and just an awesome team to work with i don't know if ellen tells you this directly a lot but ellen loves you and loves loves working for you she's mentioned it multiple times over the past year Uh, and i know even in one-on-ones it's it's difficult probably to you know bring that out but she she has articulated to me many times just how much how much she loves working for you and how much respect she has for you. No, yeah, I, I couldn't have asked for a better team. And again, they embraced me coming in. Um, we're, we were all, you know, we're all in the Brady Bunch box teams meetings (laughs) a lot. Everybody's got legs now that we can see everybody and, um, kind of move around, but it has just been a pleasure, um, working with Ellen, working with the team. And, um, we just have done things, um, in a short period of time that, it just has been remarkable to kind of move um, move technology out again. T- taking a step back, looking at how could we reeducate 
realign um, as we look at the different changes within the market, the different changes that we need to embrace, and really thinking about our coworkers and our leaders and how we think about how they use the tools that we provide a service for because we changed how we deliver HR. Mm-hmm. And I think that that for me has been a learning opportunity um, coming from a traditional model that I grew up in uh, with Jeremy, um, yes. but also understanding um, the efficiencies that we can put in place and really start doing some strategic work. Um, not that we're not doing it now, but embracing it a little bit further so that we can deal and move and shake with what's happening in the market now and in the future state, which is, right. um, I'm pretty confident not getting it any easier. So, Absolutely. Can you touch on a little bit, because I think this is uh, an issue a lot of HR folks are dealing with in healthcare specifically right now, is, uh, and I'll let you articulate what you mean behind this, but Franciscan, for those that don't know, is a very traditional organization. However, from looking in, they're embracing technology and pushing it forward. Right. So for the the other, you know, future people out there, the other future Mary Joes, how can they build their own case internally to traditional organizations to help them embrace technology and move the needle forward without, you know, rocking the boat of tradition out there? Yeah, I think it's telling the stories, the success stories. And I also think when you have a situation that it didn't go as planned or a narrative um, can't, comes up that, you know, it took too long to do A or B, you you research and you provide the feedback. I think one of the, the pieces that um, I've done recently um, is really bringing forward more data. So leading yeah. with data. So we track and measure, which we wouldn't be able to do that in a previous life unless you had a clipboard at the front desk of how many people walked in and out and the services provided. So when we think about um, leading with data, uh, but I also think leaders go first. So I th- one of the pieces that we always tend to um, be the pilot group is I'll say HR will be the pilot. Let let us go first. Let us test this and see how we can embrace any re- resources we have or new to kind of drive out to the coworkers um, or the, the leaders specifically starting down in that cascade. So I think it's really having the leaders embrace and driving the managing up of that as we move forward. Um, is going to be key to our success. But I would say lead with data because the data speaks for itself and mm. really be open to feedback. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. Awesome advice. Awesome advice. Well, Bo, let's transition to our newer favorite part of the podcast now. What would you do? What would you do? But we were talking about a situation before the show. Do you want to riff on that? And let's see. Let's give uh, Mary Jo a situation here. We'll take it away. All right, you want me to jump yeah, in? Yeah, take it away. All right, Mary Jo. And, and you both can add whatever, you know, color or whatever. Uh, you can add to the scenario as okay. we go here as well to make it more juicy or whatever you want. Uh, all right, so Mary Jo, here's the situation. So you have a great employee. They've been with the organization, you know, not a short time, but not their whole life. Let's say five years. All right. They have been coming to work somewhat intoxicated or it's visible. It's gotten to a point where people are noticing now the manager of this person it's the best they're the best person they got on the team right so they do not obviously want them to be let go or it 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 really be detrimental to their daily flow if you will uh but now other coworkers and leaders have begun to notice as well so the organization wants to send them out for talk screen that day 
but the manager is saying, no, I don't think we should. I think everybody's overreacting. As an HR leader, how do you handle this situation? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Have you registered for ASHRAE's June 4th webinar yet? Attend Optimizing Employee Wellness, How Infirmary Health Aligned HR and Pharmacy for Better Benefits, and Earn a CEU. So you, the first thing you do is secure the environment. When I think about it, especially as it relates to healthcare, um, secure the environment to make sure that that person doesn't have access to um, things that they shouldn't, such as patient care. Um, if it's a patient care person, I think you take um, you take the steps necessary to move it forward. Um, uh, as we think about, uh, I think about a similar situation that occurred. Um, you know, when you help that person, um, you may be the only person helping that person in that moment in time. And so I think about a recent or a recent a former situation that occurred similar that um, that happened. And we did move forward. We did send that person out. Um, that person eventually came back and said, thank you, because they didn't live in an environment that they could be supported um, as it relates to alcoholism. And um, so I would say you have to make those moves. The, the leader in that moment in time wasn't very um, happy with me. Um, however, um, I think those are, um, one, it's the right thing to do for not only the organization, but for the person right. outside of following the process and procedures, which in those cases, you you absolutely should. I, I agree. And it sounds like you're doing what's 100% best for the person in that case, you know, and for the organization. I've seen this, that same situation go a different way before. It, this wasn't at a healthcare company, but another story. And the person was uh, drinking during the day. It's in an office environment and bringing, you know, alcohol to work inside of like water bottles that had a tint to them, like, you know, mm-hmm. the fancy type water bottles. And it became very obvious. Well, the company was so concerned about rocking the boat, they basically gave them like a six month severance and was like, hey, we're going to eliminate this position for right now gave them six months of pay and sent them on their way. And I thought about it and I was like, you know, I guess I kind of get it from a legal perspective, but was this what was actually best for that person or for the, definitely not for the organization. Right. Right. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a process you go through with people, you know, saying they will go to get tested. And obviously if they refuse, organizations make decisions, but absolutely. I think, you know, when you think about the mission of an organization, specifically a healthcare organization, regardless of what that mission statement says, yeah, yeah. I think about that person in that moment in time, and maybe you're that one person that can help them. Um, maybe they, you know, in the situation I mentioned, that person didn't have a, a household or a family support that they needed. And maybe they walked back home and their same situation occurred. So everybody yeah. was, so it, it really, when you think about it from kind of being mission driven and um, understanding organizations take different uh, uh, practices in place, uh, you know, as this, you mentioned about kind of eliminating, but I think, um, I think we need to help people. And if we can, as organizations, especially mission-driven uh, healthcare systems, those are things we, we should do. Let me throw a quick twist into this, yes. right? And, and this is from personal family experience growing up. Um, this same this employee, right? So instead of coming to work, they don't come to work inebriated, right? But they're an alcoholic. They get up in the morning, they go to work. As soon as work ends, they start drinking, right? And they have the reputation in the community as the town drunk. Right? And they work at your system. 
right? So that could impact the reputation of your system. So the only impact to your organization could be how other people feel about you keeping this person employed, even though they are not violating any policy. They don't show up to work drunk. They come to work. They're a functioning alcoholic. But you know, your organization knows how this person is viewed in in the community that they work. Patients coming in could absolutely know who this person is. Does that change your perspective? And how do you approach? How do you that's, approach that? That's a tricky. That's a tricky one because you're you're you don't have any evidence in front of you that says unless the behavior shows up, right, that this person's behavior is inappropriate. So so that you can say from a technical standpoint to go test that person, right? But it's reputation, and I think when you think about those those. Um, opportunities, especially as it relates to the reputation of the person and thinking about what they're feeling um, or how they're being interpreted. Um, I, I think there's an opportunity for a coaching moment with the leader and just making sure that the leader has, um, you know, the skills and tools to approach that with that person, especially if you're getting patients coming and saying, I don't want to work with yeah. person A. Or the, what if there's just general gossip? Right. Right. About that person's behavior think, outside of work. Exactly. And I think, you know, I used to say you never bring anything outside of work into work, but that social media took that out of it the game. Out, right? I mean, everything that's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok now is unfortunately relevant in some instances yeah. in the workplace. Yeah. Um, and that's where HR gets fun um, sometimes. <laughs> but I think when you, when, if the, that narrative, if I think about myself, if somebody was talking about me in that in that way and my leader or my peers knew about that, I would at least want to be approached to know that this information is coming forward. And while I can't take action as an HR or a leader against this person because they've done nothing wrong, at least from what I see, I would at least want them to know that this information is there uh-huh. and how can I help them or how can we help them move forward I don't know if I can say change the narrative because they have to make that decision to change that. But right. I think there's always an opportunity to have a conversation um, because again, I, that is their reputation. It's the organization's reputation, but it's also, you know, people talking behind their back and you, you, that just never feels good. So right. I think that, and if there's enough information brought forward by that leader, I think that's appropriate to sit down and have a conversation with that person and say, Hey, this is what's happening. Can I tell you? Can I tell you what I'm hearing? Yeah. Now, if we up the ante a little bit, does it change it if it's a different role? So I'm thinking in your role as CHRO. So let's now say it's not a staff position. It's uh, I'm gonna the chair of neurology, a profitable division of any health system, right? That is responsible for a lot like that. And listeners, if you're, under, let me tell you, the chair of neurology is an important position in any health system. There's a lot of revenue that comes in through that. It, what do you do in that situation? Because I feel like now that's on, this now goes up to the executive mm-hmm. table, right? And you might be hearing stuff from employees, just gossip. Right. Does that change the dynamic of how you handle the situation at all? No, no. I think they're just the, 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 whoever the person was before, whatever position there is, is just as important as well um, with the 
uh, conversation of coaching. I think that the conversation probably changes as there's probably a few more layers of uh-huh. yeah. um, whether the board chairs or um, medical staff offices or you know, when you think about what their process takes um, because they may have a different um, path. But I think the conversation is the same. Um, it may just be with a few different people. It's got to be stressful yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, but I think that yeah. I think you're spot on. Like, I think yeah. that's exactly it's, it's, right it's a couple more layers. It's still the conversation. You don't shy away from the conversation because right. of who it is. Absolutely not. It's no, just, I think uh, even more so. Right, right, right. I think that's good. Super. Yeah, that was great advice. I love talking through these and uh, seeing what you would do and how we'd handle this. So thank you. You're welcome. Mary Jo, this has been absolutely amazing. Uh, please come back and be on again sometime. Uh, we've learned a lot from you. Uh, anything else you want to say to the, the listeners before we go and eat some French toast? <laughs> uh, you know, just thank you to both of, of you for this opportunity. You know, this is a little out of my comfort zone. Um, and I just uh, hope that, you know, HR leaders, HR coworkers, employees still continue to learn and lead uh, mm-hmm. lead with data and, you know, go to where people are to learn what we're, what we're giving them, understanding where they are in their moment in time. So um, I appreciate the time. Thank oh you. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Excellent. Absolutely. Well, Asher listeners, thanks for tuning in. We got Mary Jo Smith, CHRO of Franciscan Alliance. And folks, that's a wrap. Still listening? Save your seat for the upcoming June 4th ASHRA webinar with RX Benefits and Infirmary Health today. Questions for the speakers? Send them ahead of time to ashra.edu at ashra.org.